guess I'll put a disclaimer out there first thing this morning. If you're visiting with us, um, or if you're not regular attendee here, we like to joke and we answer. And so when people say things or I ask questions, or they're really not rhetorical. I'll wait for an answer. And so we kind of work through Scripture together, and um, it helps us all grow a little bit. And so um, it's not always the norm, but it is the norm here. And so we, we take that and use that as part of our, our morning message and as we go through the Scriptures together. So my Bible says James. Are we in James? Is that the series we're doing? No. What are we in? Samuel. Wow, that's way back. Jenny, if you want a chance to make fun of pronunciation, I, I fully understand that. I learned uh, last night something new, that I've been pronouncing hammock wrong for all these years. It's hammock. And so I was corrected last night, so I learned something in my pronunciation. Um, kind of an inside joke, but we had some fun with that. So we are working through the series and through the, the book of Samuel. And yes, your Bibles, like mine, says first and second Samuel, but that was put in later. They were actually all part of one uh, historic account. It spans about 150 years approximately, so it's a long time. And though Samuel may have written parts of it, some others contributed to it, obviously because it goes beyond Samuel and into the, the reign of the kings, and Samuel is long since gone by the time that parts of it are written. So we know there were some additions, but does not take anything away from God's Word. And so we are studying Samuel, though, and so we've been kind of working through it with the focus on him alone, because he is the main character in the story, right? No. God is. Well, Fran, Fran's God. Fran's already corrected me, so God is. Any of the Old Testament books and the New Testament is always the focus on God. God is, is the one that we should be watching and following, and certainly none of the characters in the Bible live up to the standard of Christ or God. And so those are the people that we should be looking up to, um, but we can learn, obviously, from their lives and the things that they go through. And because we can identify and many of the same struggles they have are the ones that we have. And so that's part of what we've been doing. And Samuel came from a kind of a, a humble beginning, right? Uh, remember his, his dad had two wives and that was a great thing to do, right? That was always worked out well, right? No, no, no. For you guys that aren't married, that's not a plan, all right? That's just, that's not a good plan. It did not work out well, um, but Samuel's mom, Hannah, was a godly woman, and she ended up dedicating Samuel to the Lord and to the temple, uh, the place of worship, and she left them in good hands, right? Not so much, right? Eli was failing, and he had started out well, but didn't finish well, and his two sons were pillars in the community, correct? No. I got my sarcasm on this morning because everything I'm saying is pretty much the opposite of that, but um, some would say I have my sarcasm on all the time, but that's another, yeah, I already got that one. All right. But we learned um, that even though Samuel was in that situation, God had a calling on his life and God picked him to be the next leader. And again, this time in history is a little difficult, right? Because the judges is not a, a steady time and there's problems throughout the nation. And Israel is in this cycle, round and round cycle of doing well for a while, getting away from God, needing discipline, getting caught up into a war or someone oppressing them and needing someone to deliver them. 
and a judge to make judgments and rulings over there. And God provided that judge. But Samuel's unique. Samuel's unique in that he wears that role, but also he becomes a spiritual leader, right? He becomes the person in the temple that helps them and points them back to God. And so Samuel's a little bit of a unique character, but Israel's in this time of kind of a unique time because they're going to go from judges, and as you're going to see this morning, we're actually going to get into the time of kings. Samuel's going to be bringing on the, new, the first king, right? First king being Saul. And so it's this part of that transition that we, we look at. And if you were with us last week, we, we talked about how they actually had a time of peace, right? The Philistines had been put down and, and it had been determined uh, through the, the battle of the gods and small g and large g, the god, um, won. And the Philistines gave back the Ark of the Covenant and then there was a time of peace, and Samuel's word for the nation was, put down your idols, worship God with all your heart. That's kind of where we left off last week, and so uh, there's a lot more in those chapters. I'm condensing for sake of time, but that gets you kind of up to speed to where we are this morning, chapter 8, all right? And again, Samuel has been, we followed him from birth, now he's actually becoming an older man. He's He's getting older in years. He's been in charge for quite some time now. Eli and his sons have been killed and off the scene, and now Samuel is the leader, and he's been reigning now for over 20 years plus, and he's at a good spot, but he's getting to that older stage where he's looking to pass on things to the next generation. I can totally understand that. Um, All right, chapter 8, verse 1, as we work through this this morning. It says, When Samuel grew old... He appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abadiah, and they served in Bathsheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. Does this sound familiar? Right? Remember I told you about Eli and his sons. This is the same pattern, right? Now, somewhere here, we, it's interesting, we don't ever hear of Samuel's wife, and, and we don't know who she is, and that he even has two boys, and if that's the only kids he has. Again, it's not the essential part of the story, but he has grown sons now who should be taking over. You know, that's the hope of the dad, especially in that, that era, that culture, was that the sons would take over the, the family trade, or the family business, or in this case, the family ministry and that the sons would start taking on some of those responsibility, and they were actually in place to be able to do that, but they were failing, right? It says they, were, they did not fall in his ways. They were, it turns out they were after dishonest gain. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Again, remember, judges, what, what do judges do? They judge. There we go. Sometimes they're simple. They're not always complicated answers. Sometimes they actually are, are pretty easy. But they would make a ruling, right? You would come to them with a case and you would say, you'd plead your side, the other person would plead theirs, and they would make a determination what would be fair, what would be right. Well, when you start putting bribes in there and t- accepting things, it gets skewed, right? Justice is not really being served. It's whoever has the most money. Not that that ever happens, right? That only happened in the Old Testament. It never happens today, right? Yeah. No. Unfortunately, it's a, a cycle, again, part of a human nature. 
You know, and in fact, we were talking about James a little bit earlier, right? About favoritism, it's kind of the same way. Again, you show favoritism dependent on how much you got for a bribe. And so justice was not being done. And it was evident to everyone around them that Samuel's sons were not going to be the leaders that they wanted any longer. And so they've got a problem. And God's going to give them a solution. Verse 4. So the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. All right, there's a lot in that statement. There's a lot in that sentence because, again, we're just reading through it quickly, but if you look back through this, what's the first thing they do? They, they gathered, right? They gathered the elders. They gathered the, 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 the older people, the, the ones who should have been wise, and they, they kind of formed a committee here and said, all right, we got a problem. What are we going to do? It's interesting, the, the statement, how they started off, you are old. I've had elders tell me that in elders meetings, and they've let me know that um, right from the beginning. The great thing now is our elders, some of them are older than I am, so I get off the hook a little bit. But that's not a great way to start, is it? I mean, that's not, you, you can almost set the tone, right? If you start a meet off with, you're talking to the spiritual leader, and you say, hey, you're old, you know, they're obviously not the how you would want to start off. But again, there's, there's trouble. There's some bad news here, and they're obviously upset. But you can read into it a little bit here. And they're saying, hey, you're getting old. You've served us well, but now we want something different, right? You're not cutting it anymore. You're not going to be able to continue on. And guess what? Your sons, yeah, we don't want them. Now, as a dad, I hear that, and I think, man, that would be, ouch, right? I already know I'm old, but then you tell me my, my sons are bad too, and they're not going to be the next leaders. That would hurt, right? And that's how they start off this. And the other interesting part that you see here too is you don't hear any mention of prayer or any God's wisdom or guidance, right? They just gather, they form this group, and this is what they've come up with as their idea. And again, we've seen throughout the history of Israel, that usually leads to problems, Right? When God's not consulted first, we tend to lean on our own understanding or wisdom and we get into trouble. There's always application, right? We can always see that through Scripture, right? It, it continues on today. And I can tell you from personal experience, I can do the same thing. I'm very capable of making some decisions and, and I think, oh, God, I got this one. No problem. I can handle it. And I fall on my face, Right? Or it may seem right for a while, and then a little bit down the road I fall on my face. And if I look back or reflect back, I say, you know what? I should have consulted God first. I know. You would think that would come naturally for every believer, but we don't, right? We, God, I got this one. I can handle this one. I don't, I don't need to consult you. Well, it's the same thing here. They're not consulting God, and they're coming up with their own ideas. And so verse 6 kind of points that out. It says, but when they said, give us a king to lead us. This displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected. They have rejected me as their king. As they have done from this day, I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. 
so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know that the king who reigns over them will claim as his right. So again, what they're asking for is a king now, right? We're done with judges. You had your time. You're old, and your sons are no better, and now we want a king. And what's, the, what's the, the purpose? We get it there in one brief sense, but what's the purpose they want a king, really? What's the behind it? Yeah, they want to be like other nations. And again, if you know anything about Israel, that's not what Israel is called to be. They are called to be set apart. They are called to be different. They are not to be like other nations. They're supposed to be that light. They're supposed to be that, that draws people to God, not be like everybody else. Now, you probably can guess, this is an easy one for pastors to know where the application goes on this one, right? As believers, we have that same calling, right? Whether it's at work, Walmart, wherever we go, we're not to be like everybody else. We're to stand out. We're to be a little bit different. We're to be a little bit different in how we handle things. We're not to be like everyone that's around us. I'm not talking about being weird, but there should be something about us that attracts people that ask questions and that they say, hey, what is different about you? Part of that witness. It's the same thing for the nation of Israel. It's the same calling that we have as believers. Right? We don't separate ourselves from the world totally. We, we come together on Sunday morning, but we function in the world around us. And obviously the New Testament talks about that. We do live in the world but we're not to be of the world. And again, it's the same reference here about being different. So their reasoning for wanting a king is not good. Again, they want to be like everybody else. And I love Samuel's response, right? As a leader, right? His response as a leader, right? He gets mad. It's like, right? Have you ever been in a position that you, you finally arrived in or got to a spot in life and you say, good, I I'm, I'm finally got this, this job and this place, and then all of a sudden it's taken away from you, or you, you move in it, or, or it's given to someone else, right? You take it personally, right? Samuel here takes it very personally. He's like, they've rejected me. They call me old, they don't want my sons, and now they don't want me even to be a leader. And they want someone else. It's a hard pill to swallow, and I can certainly understand Samuel's disappointment here and his anger, but look at God's response. What does God say? Samuel, it's not, it's not about you, right? I love the, the directness, because sometimes we need that, right? The directness is, no, it's, it's about me. They're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. You've been reflection of me, but guess what? I'm the one that they're really rejecting, and again, as we, it's just another one of those emphases where we, we recognize that Samuel's not the main character, right? God is. God is the one that's being rejected here. Because Samuel was God's chosen man. And then God even gives him a little history lesson, right? Hey, it's nothing new. This has been happening since they left Egypt, right? Hundreds of years ago, they were doing the same thing, right? Remember, Moses goes up to get the, the Ten Commandments to speak with God. Meanwhile, they're building the idol down at the bottom and starting to serve the other gods, a small g. So it's nothing new. It's a cycle that keeps repeating. Again, we have to be careful that we don't fall into that same trap, that we don't do the same thing. 
And then he says, hey, God says in verse 9, he says, hey, listen, tell them, now listen to them, but then warn them, right? It's going to cost you something to have a king. You want to be like the other nations, God's actually going to give them what they're asking for. Which sometimes we ask for the wrong thing. And we're going to see here that's probably the, the same, same problem. But God's saying, hey, give them a chance here. Tell them what it's going to cost them to get a king. See that in verse 10 here. And it's going to go through a little bit longer section here. But 10 through 14, it says, Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them to serve with his chariots and horses. They will run in front of his chariots. Others, some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest. And still others to make weapons of war and to equip for, and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He's saying, it's going to cost you a lot. You're going to have to provide for him, and not only for the king himself, but for his family, for his armies, for all the things it takes to outfit a king, a place, a home, right? It's a large cost. It's going to cost them a lot. And it's not just items, material items. It's going to cost you some of your own kids, is what he's saying here, right? Some of them are going to be called or pressed into service. That's a big cost. Love here in verse 14 here, he says, the best of your fields, right? Kind of interesting, because where are the best of the fields supposed to go? You almost miss it if you read it, right? But who's, who gets the best? Who gets the first fruits? God, Right? So now, from the spiritual side, you've got a dilemma, right? You've got to start making some hard choices. Do I obey the king and give him the first, or do I sacrifice and give it to God? And there's going to be some tough choices you're going to have to make. And I just inject here a little bit, whenever we have any authority over us, there are some tough choices sometimes. We have a government now that we have to make some tough choices, Right? We've gone through COVID, all of us, and we know some of the choices we had to make through that. Right, wrong, or indifferent, but we had to make choices. Am I going to follow what God's telling me to do, or am I going to follow what the government that's over us says we need to do? And that was difficult. And so part of the warning is when I put someone in charge of you, you're not, and guess what? It's not the end, right? There's more costs. This is, I only went through half of the list. There's more here. Look, it says verse 15. He says, he'll take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants, your male and female servants, and the best of your cattle and donkeys. He will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves will become his slaves. Again, it's not by chance. It's not unusual, but the, the tenth, right? Where, where do we, what tenth? Where, where does that come from? We would... Old language, tithe, right? God's saying, hey, guess what? You're going to have to make, again, some more tough decisions because you're going to lose part of your, your income. Part of the things that sustain you are now going to be given up, not to God, but to this new king. Not only the king, but everyone that supports him. 
his supporting cast as well. It's not just one person. This king is not for free. It's going to cost them, and it's going to cost them dearly. And so this is part of that, that warning. Verse 18, again, this conversation. Again, Samuel is speaking the words that God's given to him, but verse 18 says, When that day comes, you'll cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you on that day. Again, it's an upcoming judgment here is what he's saying. This is what's going to happen. Again, part of the Samuel as a prophet here is telling them what's going to happen. There's going to be a time when the king is going to oppress you and you're going to cry out and say, give us relief. And in a way, God's saying, I gave you what you asked for. No one likes and I told you so, but that's really what's being said here, right? Right? You, you asked for a king. You, you, you wanted this. This is what you wanted. I gave it to you, and now you're complaining about it, and guess what? I don't hear you. you you're going to kind of get what you deserve. Ouch. Hard stuff. Verse 19. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. Again, here we see that there's, they're not listening, right? They're, they've gone off the rails. They've gone so far that they're not hearing from Samuel anymore. They're not hearing from God. And even though they said, hey, it's going to cost you and there's going to be a time when you're not going to want this, they're like, we don't care. We want a king. We want a king. We've already made up our minds, right? This, this committee of elders have already decided, and then they're representing the people, and they're saying, we want a king to rule over us so we can be like the other nations. They add a little bit more to that, not only be like the other nations, but that he will lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. Again, we have not that long, right? We've read it not that long ago in history. What happened when they tried to fight their own battles? 3,000, right? 3,000, the first battle. Then they had the bright idea of bringing the Ark of the Covenant out, and what happened there? They got taken from them, and they lost even more people. Now, I'm not going to blame them for being slow learners because I fall into the same category. But it's not that long ago. This is not that far back in their history. Well, And sadly, they've just enjoyed 20 years of peace, and things have been going well. And it's a warning and a caution for us, right? When things are going well, we tend to move God down on that list, right? We tend to not include him anymore. And Israel is no different. They've gotten to this point. They've forgotten their history. They've forgotten how faithful God's been. And now they're saying, well, the king can take care of it. He'll, he'll fight the battle. Right? He'll take care of it for us. Verse 21. When Samuel heard all that the people had said, he repeated it before the Lord. I love that, right? Samuel's still not happy. Samuel's not, not convinced this is the right way to go. We know that. And he's not even happy probably on a personal level. And so really what it says here is he's going and complaining to God. Right? He's, God, I, I, I tried. I, I, I told him what it's going to cost him. I told him everything. And that's their response. Now, God already knew that. He already knew the response, already, God already knew it. But is it okay to complain to God? Yeah, 
I think it is. I really do. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with complaining to God and, and letting him know our true feelings. He already does. He already knows us, right? He knows when we're upset. So who are we kidding when we're hiding that? But what a great place to go to, right? Sometimes that's actually the best place to go to. Because I know for myself, if I start complaining, I tend to find people that are going to agree with me and I kind of get that little bit of feeling a little better because, oh, they they cajole me or they tell me what I want to hear. And, and again, if we all like that to a degree, but that's not helpful, right? Sometimes I need that person to say, you know what, knock it off. <laughs> Go to God. I know I have a few of those in my life and I do appreciate them. But Samuel's complaining to God here. He's saying, hey, God, I, I did what you said, but they're still not listening. And again, this is conversation and the Lord answers and he says, listen to them and give them a king. He already told Samuel that he was going to do it, right? He's, he's just reaffirming. He's saying, hey, guess what, Samuel? Yeah, I hear you, but I'm not changing my mind. So they want a king, give them a king. It says, then Samuel said to Israel, the Israelites, everyone go back to your own town. Right? And that ends chapter 8, but we're going to look into chapter 9 just a little bit. Two verses, I promise. We're not going to do the whole chapter this morning, but just two verses because I want to help set this up. I've kind of brought you to this point, right? And it would be kind of a weird ending that we just said everyone went back to your town, right? Oh, that's not an answer, right? That, that doesn't help them. You know, Samuel has a choice here. Is he going to listen to God or is he going to listen to himself? Because that's all he's got at this point. But meanwhile... I'm adding that here, but it says, There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abel, the son of Zeror, and son of Barak, the son of Aphla of Benjamin. Jenny, I'm sure I mispronounced at least two or three, if not all of those names. Maybe Benjamin I got right. But again, there's a man out there that's got the history. He's in the right tribe. He's, in the, he's the one that's being prepared. Verse 2, Kish had a son named Saul, a handsome young man, as could, as could, and I'm going to wear, in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. And I'm going to stop there. Next week we'll talk about donkeys. A lot of donkeys are in next week, and so that's kind of fun all in its own. So if you haven't read ahead, you might want to take a peek. But it's setting up the first king. And again, if you know the history, Saul does become the first king, Right? But look at some of the reasons here, right? Family heritage is good. He's a handsome young man, and he's a head taller, right? So you, you look up to him, right? He, he's someone to look up to, right? I won't pick on Ike, but I have to look up to Ike all the time. I mean, he, <laughs> whether I want to or not. <laughs> no. Ike, I didn't say anything about you handsome or not, though. I left that part out just so you... <laughs> Ambria says you are, and that's all that matters. So. But they're looking at this person from not a biblical standpoint, but they're looking at it from a, an exterior standpoint. Right? Again, that's not how God operates. It's inside, right? The willing vessel. Not always the, the people that we would pick. Not always the, the best looking. Not always the, the perfect person. Right? Not always the tallest. In fact, God's used a lot of short people in the Bible. 
a lot of those along the way because that's not the qualification. That's not who God uses. I really think, and again, only history to look at, that if God had his way, the king, having a king's not all wrong all in of itself. I think David would have been the first king. Because David is the, the king that everyone gets measured to after that. But again, this is the people's choice, and they're picking Saul. Right? Yeah, I don't have to tell you, we live in America, right? We vote on presidents, and, and we don't always get our choice, right? Uh, sometimes, uh, well, most of the time, the, the majority rules, and we don't get to pick. Or we pick, but it doesn't work out the way we wanted, right? And systems don't always make things fair, right? How people look filters into our government, how much money they have to advertise. There's a lot of factors that factor into it. And subsequently, we don't always get the best candidate, to be honest, right? Well, I think that's the same thing here. Israel does not get the best candidate. But God is still going to keep watch over Israel, and he's going to keep backing them back. And there's still some good news, even though with this first king, he's studying off on bad ground, right? He may be a head taller, but he's going to end up short, coming up short in many ways. Attempt at a bad dad joke, but it's not working. So, so what can we get from this morning? What are some of the things I, I, I omitted uh, the the title on purpose because it's the title of the message is actually a question, and it's kind of the question of the last point here. But who is your king? Yeah, some of you answered quickly, but is that true all the time? Right, right. As a, it should be, right, but it's not. Right? We've talked about this a little bit before, right? We tend sometimes we'll put things ahead of God. We'll put even good things ahead of God. We can do that with our spouse. We can do it with a minister. We can do it with our kids. We can do it with pick the, the thing we can put ahead. We get things out of order. So it's a good good time to take a little bit of stock and it's like, hey, is there something creeping up on the list that is getting in the way of who's my king? Again, as believers, we do. The king of kings is Jesus who we follow. And so it's a good question, and it's a good, good one to, to ask every once in a while. I believe it or not, I've got to pull out my notes because I can't remember my, my other two points. So, ah, yes, there we go. The other, one, the other one is another reminder, but be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for, right? Because God may be good to you, even though... It's not the best, maybe good, but it's not the best. So be careful what you ask for. Check your motives, check with God first. And then lastly, but not least, but when you're picking a leader or a leadership, pray. Right? We see where Israel got in trouble time and time again because they didn't put God first. They didn't ask God for their decisions or for their leadership. And so I would encourage you as a, the body of believers to be praying, praying for your leadership, praying for the leadership here at Pointway, for your elders, for, for myself. I'll, I'll even ask for myself for prayer because I need it, right? That God will give us wisdom. And then pray for our leadership beyond that, our county, our government, our president. We're called to do that as believers. And so pray. Be people of prayer. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, as we sung earlier, that you are a good Father. 
And Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you that we can trust in you for everything. Lord, help us with these reminders, Lord, that you and you alone are to be on the throne. Help us to ask you with a pure motive and a pure heart. Lord, give us wisdom in our decisions. Even this week, Lord, as we leave from here this morning, that you would help us to choose what is right in your eyes. And Lord, also continue to remind us that we need to be praying, praying for our leadership, so that they would lead well, that they would lead in your steps and in following you. Lord, we just thank you again for this morning. I thank you for each person that's here. And Lord, as we spend some time in fellowship and worshiping you, that you would just bless us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.